on today's story session, a tale about how if you give up, sometimes things just work out anyway. This is Jorinda and Joringel. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how brutally dark and totally insane folk tales and fairy tales used to be. Which, in my opinion, just made them way better. So we're going through the original versions of Grimm's fairy tales story by story. We'll figure out the intended lessons and the actual lessons of each story. And afterward, I'll adapt the tale into a movie or TV show. So let's get right to it with today's tale titled Jorinda and Joringel. We begin. Once upon a time, there was an old castle in the middle of a great, dense forest. An old woman lived there all by herself, and she was a powerful sorceress. During the day, she turned herself into a cat or a night owl, but in the evening, she would return to her normal human form. Why is she turning herself into a night owl during the day? A night owl during the day is just an owl. And isn't the phrase night owl redundant in this context when referring to an actual owl? Night owl refers to a human being that stays up late. But if she's actually just turning into a literal owl, those are already nocturnal. So she's just like sleeping in a tree as an owl, I guess, when she does that. This story doesn't know shit about owls. Not a great start, Jorinda and Jorangel. Anyway, we continue. She had... The ability to lure game and birds, which she would slaughter and then cook or roast. Huh, well, it's pretty cool. She turns into a cat or an owl and hunts animals and then turns back into a human to roast them up. But can't, can't owls only catch, like, mice and voles and little rodents? That's it's pretty gross, lady, if you're eating that. Not a very cool sorceress if she's just roasting mice. Actually, maybe it's like hot wings or something. I don't know. I've never eaten mice. If she's got some nice spices, who knows? Maybe she, she catches a batch of voles, throws them in an air fryer with some lemon pepper, invites over a few friends and witch buddies, and watches the game. You know, some tasty appetizers. I can get on board with that. We continue. If any man came within a hundred steps of the castle, she would cast a spell over them so that he wouldn't be able to move from the spot until she broke the spell. If an innocent maiden came within her magic circle, she would change her into a bird and stuff her into a wicker basket. Then, she would carry the basket up to a room in her castle, where she had well over 7,000 baskets with rare birds of this kind. Oh my god, that is so many maidens! Wouldn't people know not to go into these woods if over 7,000 women had disappeared? Man, this must be devastating the female population of the surrounding areas. <laughs> and this is olden times, so populations were smaller back then. This must be just completely wiping out communities because there are just not enough women to sustain population growth. What's she doing with the dudes, though? It just says that they freeze until she decides to break the spell. But then what? Do they just 
go home at that point? Does she just pull pranks on them, like steal their pants and then break the spell and laugh at them as they run away without any pants? Either way, it sounds like the men are getting off pretty light here while the women are getting turned into immortal birds that are then trapped in wicker baskets, which sounds like an existentially terrifying prison, both physically and psychologically. Jeez, shouldn't the men who get freed go back and rally some people to to go do something about this witch? Because they know something's going on there. If they froze in place until some lady showed up and broke the spell and sent them on their way, it's still totally unclear what she does with them, though, which is very worrying. But maybe she just wipes their minds clean or something before they leave so they don't know what happened or how to get back and find her. Either way, the men probably outnumber the women by, like, four to one at this point in in the surrounding areas. Anyway, we continue... Now, once there was a maiden named Jorinda, who was more beautiful than any other maiden in the kingdom. Why why are these stories always about the one girl who is the most beautiful girl in the world? Cool stuff also happens to people who aren't super hot, okay? In fact, hot people can oftentimes be the boring ones. Let's have some stories about some uggos. Folk tales. People always talk about how modern beauty standards... Make it so people who aren't perfect get left behind. But this shit was happening even back in centuries-old folk tales. (laughs) These aren't movies or TV shows, so we can't even see the characters. These are written folk tales. We're just reading about the characters, and still, these old writers are like, nobody's gonna care about the story if the girl isn't super hot. (laughs) So I guess guess these folktale writers are just as bad as modern-day big studio movie executives. We continue. She was betrothed to a handsome youth named Joringel. I think they fell in love because of how insanely similar their stupid names sounded. During the time before their marriage, they took great pleasure in each other's company. One day, they went for a walk in the forest so they could be alone and talk intimately with one another. Be careful, Joringel said, that you don't go too close to the castle. Wait, so everyone knows about this? (laughs) Wow, so this sorceress is just terrorizing this community. I guess what can you do about it when anyone who gets close is frozen in place? Also, I have to address the name Joringel. Is this a name that actually exists in the world? Are there a bunch of Joringels out there in Central Europe or something? Because when I saw that in the title, I kind of expected it to be the name of like some mythical creature or animal or something, or a nonsense word like hurly-burly-butts. But no, it's the name of one of the romantic leads of this story. I guess Joringel was a super dreamy name back in olden times. Bold choice by whoever wrote this. We continue. At dusk, the sun shone brightly through the tree trunks and cast its light on the dark green of the forest. Oh, that is just a terrible sentence. The turtle doves were singing mournfully in the old beech trees, and at times, Jorinda wept. What? Why? Why is she crying? I thought they were going there to talk intimately, and they loved spending time with each other. Then she sat down in the sunshine and sighed. And Joringel sighed too. They became very sad, as if they were doomed to die. 
and when they looked around them, they became confused and didn't know how to get home. Uh-oh. The sun was still shining half above and half behind the mountains. I thought this was in a dense forest. How are they seeing mountains? The story is all over the place and super shoddy and confusing with regards to setting. Get it together, guys. When Jorangel looked through the bushes and saw the wall of an old castle not very far away, he became so alarmed that he was nearly frightened to death while Jorinda sang. And this is what she sung. Oh, my bird with your ring of red, sitting and singing your tale of woe. You tell us now that the poor dove is dead. You sing your tale of woe. Oh, 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 oh. Not a very catchy song, and pretty depressing. Just then, as Joringale looked at Jorinda, she was turned into a nightingale, singing oh, 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 singing the end part. A night owl with glowing eyes flew around her three times, and each time it cried, To who? To who? To who? Joringale couldn't budge. He stood there like a stone, unable to weep, to talk, or to move hand or foot. When the sun was about to set, the owl flew into a bush, and then immediately returned as a haggard old woman, yellow and scrawny with large red eyes and a crooked nose that almost touched her chin with its tip. It's a pretty epic entrance by this sorceress. Credit where credit's due. Well done on that count. I'm curious about this nose, though. It's crooked and almost touching her chin, so it's like curling down over her mouth would make eating and drinking very difficult. In any event, we continue. The haggard old woman muttered something to herself, caught the nightingale, and carried it away in her hand. Jorangel was still unable to speak, nor could he move from the spot. The nightingale was gone. Soon the woman came back and said with a muffled voice, "'Greetings, Zakil!' When the moon shines into the basket, let him loose Zekiel just at the right moment. Then Jorangel was set free, and he fell on his knees before the woman and begged her to give Jorinda back to him, but she said he would never get her back again, and went away. Jorangel shouted, he wept, he moaned, but it was all in vain. Oh, now what's to become of me? Huh, well couldn't he have just attacked her like just just physically you know she, she didn't do shit to him she freed him almost immediately he's fine apparently all she wanted was another bird Joringel, just lunge at her the second you're unfrozen he is not helpless anymore he's not helpless here don't just shout weep and moan what are you a toddler do something you idiot also, who the fuck is Zakiel? She just said that shit about Zakiel letting him loose when the moon shines into the basket at, quote, just the right moment. But then Jorangel is immediately unfrozen, so I guess the right moment was now? And the moon was already shining into that basket? Let's, let's get some backstory on this weird moon deity named Zakiel. Super into that. Similar to my name as well. Maybe this is the origin of my name, Zach. A weird moon god who unfreezes the victims of witches and wizards. Sounds cool as hell. Anyway, now Jorangel is pitying himself and asking what's to become of him, even though I feel like he should be more concerned with what's to become of his fiancée, Jorinda, and 
being more proactive on what to do about that, because as we established, he is fine. She's the one who's a fucking bird now. We continue. Jorangel went off and eventually came to a strange village where he tended sheep for a long time. He often went around and around the castle and always kept his distance. Okay, well, he thought he was keeping his distance before, and we all saw how that worked out, but I don't think dense forest is very good for grazing sheep, buddy. Seriously, the story has no sense whatsoever of where things are happening. Finally, he dreamed one night that he had found a flower as red as blood, and in the middle of it was a pearl. He plucked the flower and went with it to the castle. Everything that he touched with the flower was released from the magic spell. He also dreamed that he managed to regain his Jorinda with the flower. Okay, well, it's a nice dream, but if the rest of the story is just that he finds a fucking flower and everything happens exactly like it did in the dream and it all just works out, I am going to be so disappointed. When he awoke the next morning, he began searching all over the mountains and valleys for the flower in his dream. Well, it's pretty lucky that his job involves walking around fields and pastures. I bet he's going to see the flower right before one of his sheep eats it and just be like, no! He searched for nine days, and early on the ninth day, he found a flower as red as blood. In its middle was a large dewdrop, as big as the finest pearl. He carried this flower day and night until he reached the castle. When he came to within a hundred steps of the castle, he didn't become spellbound, but was able to get to the gate. Overjoyed by that, Jorangel touched the gate with the flower, and it sprang open. So he entered, crossed the courtyard, and listened for the sound of birds. How did he know that to do that? I mean, sure he saw that Jorinda turned into a nightingale, but he surely doesn't know that, like, there's a whole, I don't know, stadium? I don't know where she's keeping these full of birds. But in any event, he's listening for birds. Finally, he heard them and went toward the room where the sorceress was feeding the birds in their 7,000 baskets. <laughs> it would take so long to feed 7,000 birds, especially when you've got them each in their own individual wicker basket. This room, is, this has to be like a stadium full of baskets, and it would take all day just for her to walk around and get to every bird. It, it really seems like having just one big cage would be far more economical here. Make the big cage in the shape of a wicker basket if you need to maintain that theme. Which, for this current setup, just, just totally impractical. When she saw Jorangel, she became angry. Very angry. She began berating him and spitting poison and gall at him, but she could only come within two feet of him, and he paid no attention to her. Okay, alright, they better explain at some point why this flower armor thing is working. Instead, he went and examined the baskets with the birds. Since there were hundreds of nightingales, he didn't know how he'd be able to find his Jorinda again. While he was examining the baskets, he noticed that the old woman had stealthily picked up one of them and was heading toward the door. 
fucking hell. So the witch is just dumb, too. So the witch is stupid. Obviously, that's Dorinda then. Well, that that's actually not surprising that she's stupid, considering the fact that she's a literal sorceress, and it appears that all she's done with her magic is build an absolutely fucking insane bird collection, which she keeps in individual baskets. You can't even see them if they're in wicker baskets. So you couldn't even, like, stand in the middle and look and gaze around at all of your beautiful birds in your bird collection. You'd have to open each basket just to look at one at a time. This is hor- This is just so impractical on so many levels. Man, yeah, this is all she's done with her magic. So that doesn't sound like a particularly smart or capable or ambitious person. She's, she's really not thinking big here at all, is she, as far as witches go. Really, really just coasting off that one spell that freezes people who get too close, and then just uses that power solely to accumulate birds. <laughs> who knows? Maybe she had some big plan for all those birds once she finally got enough. But 7,000 already seems like a ton of birds, so I don't know what phase two of this plan was going to be, but maybe that that would have started when she got 8,000 birds, and now she's like, ah, so close. All right, so she's got this one bird and trying to, like, nonchalantly make it to the door. Quick as a flash, he ran over and touched the basket with the flower, and immediately thereafter... He touched the old woman as well. Now she could no longer use her magic, and consequently, Jorinda appeared before him. She threw her arms around his neck and was just as beautiful as before. After Jeringel had turned all the other birds into young women, he went home with his Jorinda, and they lived together in happiness for a long time. The end. Oh, God. I I really like imagining this super long scene of him turning all the birds back into ladies just one by one. That would be so much fun, freeing people like that. I mean, some of them had probably been there for, like, hundreds of years and are being turned back into humans after being a bird for, for far longer than they were ever human. So some of these ladies are just going to be, like, insane bird ladies now who can no longer speak and have no idea how to live their lives as humans. And on top of that... Every person they ever knew is now dead, so who's going to help them? Wow, that is that is horrifying. So some of these women are still going to have major problems reassimilating into society. Anyway, he freed all the women, some of whom are insane bird ladies, and then him and 7,000 women all walked back to town in a giant horde. That would have looked amazing. Should have spent some more time on that scene, specifically. Also, what are they going to do with the witch? They just leave her? It says she can't do magic now, so that's good. But I feel like she should get some sort of comeuppance for 7,000 kidnapping counts, right? It's a lot of crimes. Who knows? But important question here, why did the flower work? And why did he have the dream about the flower? How did that happen? Nothing is explained or even makes any sense. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'll bet he went insane from grief as a shepherd and just imagined everything working out. Basically, this ending just seems entirely unrealistic. It seems more likely that he was horribly depressed as as a shepherd, just grew a crazy long shepherd beard, went totally insane, had a flower dream, 
found a flower as he grazed with his sheep, and then just hallucinated the entire resolution of the story, possibly as he died in a field somewhere. I'm, I'm just picturing this insane shepherd tapping each of his sheep with the flower, imagining each one is a lady that he's freeing, and then just hugging one of the sheep, laying down and dying. It's not a happy ending. It's not the happy ending we want, but it's a more likely third act than what we got. <laughs> I just I just hate when there's zero explanation for why anything works and shit just works out for no reason. Seriously, the resolution to this story is that he found a fucking flower and that flower solved literally everything. And there's no justification for why it does. The setup, the setup is actually kind of cool. I want to see how someone might actually confront and defeat this witch with her insane collection of bird ladies. The whole bird thing is super specific and creepy in a way that actually makes her a pretty great villain. But we're robbed of a final showdown by this magic flower do ex machina bullshit. Lazy. Lazy third act. This feels like someone wrote an actually interesting story with an ending that was more complex or, like, wasn't clean and happy, and then the old-timey folktales studio executive was like, you gotta make a happy ending. Nobody will like it if there's no happy ending. Also, make sure the girl is super hot. And so the writer was like, oh, okay, what should I do then? I, I like the ending the way it is now, but what do you think I should do? And the, the folktale executive says, I don't know, maybe a magic flower fixes everything? And the writer says, well, that's stupid and boring. And the writer's like, you're stupid and boring if you think anyone's going to read a story that doesn't have a happy ending. And what the fuck kind of a name is Joringel anyway? And then the writer got self-conscious and just kind of caved and did the magic flower ending. All right, for an actual lesson to take from this, be, be proactive in the face of discouragement or obstacles or unexpected hurdles. Jorinda gets turned into a bird, and Joringel doesn't even try to save her. He just shouts and wails and cries. Do something, buddy, when you get when you get unfrozen. And then, when crying doesn't solve the problem, he immediately becomes depressed and abandons his life to wander the hills as a shepherd. I mean, come on, man. At least try something. He well, he was never gonna do anything. It was the it was the dream about the flower that finally jogged him into like, all right, I guess I can look for a flower while I'm already shepherding. Man, I'm I'm not even entertaining the resolution of this story. I refuse to entertain the argument of, oh well, he had to wander the hills to have the dream and find the flower that would save her. That shit was pure luck. He did it didn't even make sense. You know what? Here's how they should have done it if they wanted the flower thing to feel earned. Okay. Here's how it would work. He becomes a shepherd specifically to explore the hills and mountains to learn about the plants and animals because he'd heard that there exist rare plants and flowers and animals that have special magical abilities. And he thinks maybe some of these rare plants could protect him from the witch's magic. And so he leaves his life behind to undertake this journey of trying to find and learn about rare magic plants so that he might one day save his beloved. That is how you earn that shit. But no, he just immediately gives up and then randomly has a dream and then somehow things work out exactly as the dream predicted. That is horseshit. He didn't even struggle or overcome anything. He gives up and is rewarded for giving up. 
Fuck that shit. Don't give up. It might have worked out for Joringel, but if we all behaved like Joringel, we'd just be sad idiots aimlessly wandering around open fields. There's no magic flower. It's just going to fall in your lap. But if you work hard and keep focused, you can make your own magic flower. How's that for a lesson? All right, let's adapt this thing. So this is going to be a TV show, and it'll star Jacob Anderson, who played Grey Worm on Game of Thrones, and is awesome in the new Interview with a Vampire TV show, by the way. And Joringel and, say, Amelia Clark as Jorinda. We'll get the, the Game of Thrones gang back together for this one. And the first section of the story is going to be exactly like the original, except they don't know about the witch in the forest. Because if you knew about the witch who makes people disappear from the forest, obviously just don't go in that forest, right? It's kind of unforgivable, right? Like you're not going to be able to support their decision-making and believe that they're good, smart people if they just knowingly wander into the forest where the crazy witch who turns people into birds lives. Okay, so Jacob and Amelia are in love and go for a lovely forest walk, and they suddenly freeze in place, and a sorceress, played by Jennifer Coolidge, appears. And she turns Amelia Clark into a bird, and she tells Jacob, who is still frozen, that if he ever returns, she'll kill him. And then he passes out and wakes up on the edge of the forest. And he returns home and tells his parents and Amelia's parents what happened, and they all despair and lament. And let's say his own father who will have be played by Richard Ayoade, comedian who I am a huge fan of. Let's say his father is an alchemist of sorts, and, and Jacob says that they need to do something, but Richard doesn't know of anything that could counteract a spell like this. But he tells Jacob that he's heard that there are plants and compounds out in the wilds of nature that have magical abilities. And so Jacob Anderson becomes this, this wandering nomadic scientist or alchemist type figure, who has all these adventures exploring the wild mountains and forests and plains, encountering mythical creatures and plants and, and communities living out in remote regions. And meanwhile, Amelia Clark is the bird prisoner of Jennifer Coolidge. And let's say, let's say Jennifer Coolidge has all these bird ladies and she likes to listen to them sing and each night transforms some of the bird women back into humans and makes them sing for her. And Amelia Clark impresses her so much with her singing, which she says is like the sweetest bird she's ever heard, that she keeps her as a human, like more and more often, because she wants to hear the voice. And Amelia Clark finds out that Jennifer Coolidge is trying to figure out a way to use song to hypnotize and control people and ultimately to take over the world. Because she can freeze them, but she can't control them. So that's her ultimate goal. So she runs all these crazy experiments, but it's on, the, on these poor bird women, some of whom she ends up killing or dissecting. And Amelia Clark convinces Jennifer Coolidge to allow more, more of the bird women to remain human for longer so they can help her with experiments and things. But she always turns them back into birds each day when she, when she goes out and becomes an owl or a cat herself, you know, like she likes to do. And this could go on for a while. You could do a lot with that because the ladies can't try to free the birds because then those bird ladies won't get turned back into humans. And maybe some of the ladies have been birds for so long that they're going insane or developing Stockholm Syndrome-type issues. So, like, I, I could watch that forever. Jacob Anderson as a magical alchemist roaming the, the countryside and encountering remote mythical communities, while Amelia Clark is having a battle of wits with sorceress Jennifer Coolidge in a crazy, dangerous bird sanctuary laboratory. I'd watch that shit all day. You could have plot lines back in the home village 
with Richard Iwate as well. Maybe there's some pressure building to, to send people to try to fight the witch, but he knows they'll fail. Maybe some people in the village start to think that Jacob Anderson actually kills Amelia Clark in the forest, and it's it's all a lie. And there's there's a whole bunch of plot lines here. And of course, it'll ultimately lead to a face-off between Jacob Anderson and Jennifer Coolidge. And then we'd have a whole bunch of plot lines stemming from having to integrate all of the thousands of bird women back into society. Love that shit. And that will do it for this week's story session. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Come on back next time for a story titled Ockerlo. Ockerlo, spelled O-K-E-R-L-O. No idea what that means. It could be literally anything. It could be a name. I mean, the name Joringel has taken us totally off the rails in the name department, and now we might be plunging even deeper with Ockerlo. Come on back next time and let's find out. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.